glad to see y'all today. Uh, it's always good to gather back after we have been off a week. Uh, what a weekend. What a weekend. Uh, always in Florida. Turns a little, little cool. Little misty rain. I think it was that way that afternoon Jesus hung on that cross. You know, I've often heard that when it rains at a funeral, that's the tears. And, uh, you know, the devil shed a lot of tears until Friday. And then I think they had a party. They had a weekender. And when they sobered up and figured out what happened, he was alive, staring at them. And they knew they were defeated. And I want you to please understand, Satan is still defeated today. All right? He's still defeated. All right, we're going to look at the several illustrations in the first part of Mark. Because I want us to understand everything that was going on. Mark's a little different, as we talked about, uh, where the other Gospels, uh, Synoptic Gospels, Matthew and Luke, went into a little bit more detail. It was almost like Mark was popping it here, 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 in a very, very impactful way. Uh, you know, here's, let me set this up. You need to understand that for 450 years, there had been no prophetic word from God. It was just silent. The people had, the last word they had from God was a promise of a blessing or a curse depending on their response to God. And for 450 years, Nothing was heard. Another prophet did not rise up. And so there, the Jewish people are left waiting. What about this Messiah? Well, we know Jesus didn't slip into earth. When he was born, the sky lit up with thousands and thousands of angels. And they gave the message to a group of lowly shepherds. And those shepherds raced into town to worship this one they had been waiting on. Not only that, you need to realize about that time, the shepherds were coming, some wise men as they're called, more than three, with a large entourage, started from the other side of the world, probably right from the land that Abraham came from, and they began a two-year journey to see who this king of the Jews really is. And the real problem in all of that, while people across the world were traveling to see this one, one that wasn't really even promised to them, Jerusalem was asleep. Jerusalem was asleep. And so we need to understand that when Jesus began his ministry, it was an impact. 
kind of like you have three sons, five to 12. Things have been going good all week. You get up early, four o'clock every morning. Saturday comes, you realize that things have just been great. The kids always sleep late, so I'm going to sleep late. And you sleep later than usual. And you get up to go in and get your coffee, and there in the kitchen is cereal, eggs, bread, milk, donuts, all over the place. I mean, everything is a mess. What do you say? What just happened here? What happened in my kitchen? Isn't that be, wouldn't that be the usual explanation? Well, let me give you a sports illustration. Bring up our buddy. If you follow baseball, everybody knows who that is. That's the Bambino. That is Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was a prolific hitter. But Babe Ruth was one of the slowest men in baseball. 1929, Cardinals versus Yankees in the seventh game of the World Series. Now, I know this is true because Pastor Joe, he had seats <laughs> right behind the first base dugout. So if you don't, and he's a Cardinal fan, so y'all can ask him. The Cardinals are winning three to two. They had a knuckleball pitcher. He got the first two batters out. The, Cle the uh, Cardinals manager changes pitchers for some reason. Grover Cleveland Alexander comes in. He had just pitched nine innings the day before. He was aging, so everybody's wondering, why did you take the other pitcher out? We're going to lose. It's the bottom of the ninth. Up comes Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth walked. Four straight balls. So he goes to first base. The cleanup hitter comes to bat. That means that the run, the winning run, is at the plate. And if he just gets a hit, the next guy that's there is Lou Gregg. So, I mean, the heart of the Yankee lineup is there. They're paid. They're ready for another win. And all of a sudden, Babe Ruth tries to steal second base. <laughs> and he's thrown out by my manager. What's going on here? What just happened here? The guy can't run, but he's stealing second base. That was my visualization of the introduction when our Savior came to earth and began his ministry. We're going to look at some things this morning. We're going to look at how the Pharisees, the religious community, had to react. You see, here's the thing. During that 450 years of, of silence from God, the Pharisees were very busy. In fact, two more parties uh, within the Jewish community, raised up the Hellenists, which were Jewish Greeks, 
and then the scribes, the lawyers of the parties. So the the political uh, base of the Jewish religion grew from uh, Ten Commandments to over 900 laws on what you should do, how you should act, what you should look at. How are you going to find favor with God? And that they rose from Ten Commandments to keep to over 900. And so that's what was going on. In Mark 1, 4 through 8, we see the messenger. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. That's where he lived, in the wilderness. He appeared there preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's what John the Baptist preached. And the whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him. You see, this was new. The Jewish religion of that time was just very calm. Nothing was really happening. Every Sabbath, those that kept the, the law and the Sabbath kept it. Nothing really was really going on. They would go home and mark it off. We were at the Sabbath. Once a year, they would go uh, at the Day of Atonement. It was just a status quo plateaued religion. That's what was going on. So when this wow guy, I mean, he wore suits uh, made out of, of, uh, of cloth and skins of animals. And I imagine he had a wild look and there probably wasn't very many barber shops out there. So here's this crazy guy and he had locusts and honey and he is preaching about one that's going to come. And the whole Judean countryside went out. Go over to Matthew 3, 7 for me, Gene. So when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. John looked up. Not only was all of Jerusalem and the Judean countryside coming out to hear what this guy's saying about one who's going to come in this baptism of repentance. Here comes the religious community. And this is what John said to them. You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? What just happened here? (laughs) These are the religious leaders. These are the people that have held on to the faith. These are your big shots. John the Baptist looked at them. He just wanted to know who told you. Why are you fleeing? Mark 1, 21 through 28, we see the Pharisees hear something else. They went to Capernaum, Jesus and the group. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. We skip over that verse, but I want you to let that soak in. The Jewish people were in awe. The Jewish people were even somewhat afraid of the Pharisees, the scribes, the the Herodians, because they were the guys that had it. They had the scripture memorized. 
They knew exactly what they had to do to find favor with God. They knew it all, but yet, here comes this guy that nobody knows, a carpenter's son from Nazareth, and what he taught them as one who had authority. Go ahead. Not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue was possessed by an impure spirit. The spirit cried out, what do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The next thing the Pharisees hear is that there's this carpenter's son in a synagogue. Not only is he speaking with authority, he now has the power to cast out demons. What's going on here? This man is not a priest. This man is not a part of the ruling party. What's going on here? Well, the Pharisees, they decided they would go and investigate. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard he had come home. This home was Peter's house, okay? And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Jesus, uh, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above by digging through it and then lowered the man on a mat to where Jesus was. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think a minute. The religious leaders are there watching everything that Jesus does. Now, these are pious men. I mean, you need to read their activities, to what, the things that they did in fear and in awe and in wanting to make sure that everybody knew they were righteous. They were holy, but yet, son, your sins are forgiven you. What's going on here? This unknown carpenter speaks with an authority they don't have. He forgives sins. And now, he's cast out demons. What is this What's going on? Who is this man? Well, if you follow the progression, have you picked up on it? From the very beginning as he began his ministry, Jesus began a direct assault against religion. A direct assault against the religion that is made by man. And he not only impacted it, but he turned it upside down. We're living in a time right now 
that we need to impact and turn the religious community upside down. The cults, those that do not preach the blood of Jesus. Across our land on Sunday, there were thousands of pulpits that never mentioned the crucifixion, much less the resurrection. We need as Christians to impact those false religions. Now, I don't mean storm their churches or protest. I mean doing what Jesus did. He simply lived out who he was. And in this life, we have an opportunity to understand and impact because of whose we are. We're born again, washed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, given the authority of God to go throughout the world, to teach the nations, to baptize the nations, to make disciples of the nations. All authority of God is given to us to proclaim that gospel by word of mouth and by living. It's time the religious community began to say, what's going on here? What's just happened here? There's a movement. You know, there's a young lady, Riley Gaines. I don't know if you've ever, you've heard her name. If I'm not mistaken, her father, Rowdy Gaines, was an all-American swimmer. I believe he was from Auburn. He was an Olympic swimmer. She's a, a swimmer. She's worked hard. And yet she's been beaten by a man who says he's a woman. And and she was making a speech, protesting this. And for three hours, she was held hostage by crowds. And the police literally had to escort her out because she dared say that there is a difference between a DNA of a woman And someone who dresses up, puts on lipstick, and calls themselves a woman. You see, the world don't like that. But there are people that are impacting that world. We need to impact with the truth. We need to pray. I I did read another article. I thought this was funny. There was a picture of a guy that was just built. You ever seen those guys? Muscles on top of muscles. Kind of reminds me of what I wanted to be when I was young. (laughs) This guy was a world champion. And he went to a contest and he told the organizers of the contest that he sensed there was a woman in him and that he was a woman. Now, he didn't dress up. He was just there. And so under today's rules, he had, he could... uh, uh, be in the competition as a woman. And guess what? He blew them all out of the water. And people were saying, this guy's crazy. Do you see where we are today, guys? You know, we have the perfect opportunity for people to begin to say, what just happened here? What just happened? Laws are changing. People are changed. The world is not like it's been. And it's time 
that there is, we shake the world out of the, the futility, out of the, the sleep that it's in and stirred it up. The Bible tells us we are to stir one another up with, with hope. When Jesus began to have authority over a demon, when he said he forgave sins, he really got excited. And the next thing, they could not believe what was going on. Look at Mark 2, verse 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside a lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Let me tell you about Matthew. The Jews hated Romans. The Jews hated Samaritans. But there was a hatred for a Jew that was a tax collector that went beyond any other hatred that the Jews had. Because to them, he was a traitor. So here is the picture of the scum of the earth, the worst person they ever could be. And here's Jesus, walks by the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. Cast out demons. He forgives sin. Not only does he forgive sin, he calls a tax collector to follow him. To be a disciple. To be a part of the inner crowd. What's going on here? What will he do next? I'm glad you asked. What did he do next, Gene? While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? That answer is because that's what we do. Do you realize we can stay boarded up, fenced off from the world? Afraid of those people out there. Not wanting to associate with those people. Because they act different. Maybe their language is rougher. They don't look like us. They don't do the things we do. And we, we, we want to huddle in. We want to uh, be with people that we're comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, this is what that service is for. This is where we come together as the body of Christ. This is when we invite those people out there to come and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. We, act, we invite them to come here because we love them simply because Jesus loves them. And you see, that's the heart of the Great Com- Commission. Jesus loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when he left, his instructions were, go and redeem those whose sins have been forgiven. And so we are to hang out there. 
Don't be afraid of those people because to them, you and I are those people. Oh, but it didn't stop there. For three and a half years, Jesus ministered. He poured his life into his disciples. He got everybody angry with him. After his initial introduction to Jerusalem and Judea, the surrounding areas, those of religious community, those so saint righteous and pious begin to desire to kill him. You want to know why? Because Jesus was violently opposed to everything they stood for. The Pharisees were consumed with self-righteousness. The things that they did that made them look righteous and holy. They would put bells on their robes and walk in the streets. And when they walked, they would send out messengers ahead of them, sometimes with trumpets, and they would give alms to a poor guy. It's kind of like our politicians today. When something happens, they show up for a photo op, not the real thing. That's what the Pharisees was doing. Jesus preached divine grace. It is the grace of God that is the promise and the hope of every man, woman, boy, and girl. It is by his grace we have all failed. We have all sinned. But the grace of God is sufficient. In fact, the grace of God can never be used up. Paul wrote that while sin abound, grace did much more abound. The Pharisees denied they were sinners. Jesus preached repentance from sins. Do you notice when John the Baptist came, he preached, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus began his ministry, he preached, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Pharisees denied they were sinners. Therefore, they did not need this. And there today are still Pharisees. We do religious stuff. We serve on religious communities. We attend religious events and the sermons. And yet within our heart, we do not acknowledge sin. Repent is the open door to divine grace. The Pharisees were glad, proud of their religiosity. Jesus preached humility. He said, whoever is the least will be the greatest. Whoever is last will be first. Pharisees loved the approval of men. Jesus offered the approval of God. You know, we sometimes, we spend our lives so that people we don't care for will like us. And we do all kinds of things in order to find favor with people that don't even know we exist. And our whole self-worth is in the balance of do these people up here like me? 
There's only one approval that matters in this life. And you know, Jesus' ministry began that way. When he was baptized, the heavens opened, the dove descended, and a voice said, This is my beloved son. You know, one day, God's going to say that about every Christian. This is my beloved son. So why do we worry? It's not that we want to make people mad, but it's like I'm standing here in the boat of truth and the boat of falsehood is sinking. Come over and get in a boat that can float. The Pharisees promoted a system. Jesus provided salvation. I guess the last 30 years of my ministry, I've had a mark against me. And that mark against me was I wasn't part of the system that I was supposed to be a part of. And that didn't set well with some hierarchy people. Well, I thought we were even because the way they acted, I didn't like either. So we're even. They don't like what I'm doing. I don't like what they're doing. Hey, great. We agree to disagree. And the only reason for that is because there came a time in my life that I sold out. This word was really, really living because when I'm dying, when I was dying inside, the word of God caused me to come alive in Jesus Christ. And when I get down in this life, and this life is too much to bear, I look and read this word, and this living word begins to flow energy through my veins. It helps me, a natural coward, to be brave and strong in the Lord. The word of God is powerful. It's a two-edged sword, and nothing can stand against this word of God. But the word of God will overcome nothing if we, you and I, are silent. Jesus had one more thing for him. When he died, the demons had a party with the Pharisees. And they celebrated. Man, I'm glad that's over. But all of a sudden... On the third day, look at Luke 24. I love this. (laughs) First day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. Part of their discussion is, who's going to move this stone? They get there, stones rolled away. Not only that, the guards that were there, they scattered. Because they were sitting there, and that stone that took a lot of people, it just went boom, and it was open. And they did what you and I would do. Come on, feet, don't fail me now. (laughs) When they entered the tomb, they didn't find the body of Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes they gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. The men said to them, listen to this. 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? Then they reminded, didn't he tell you in Galilee what was going to happen? Why are we looking for the living? Why are we looking for life in the dead? Those ladies had to go, what just happened here? We're going to do a good thing. But there wasn't a body to fix because that body was alive. And a great message today that is not being heard is that Jesus is alive. And everything he promised us will come true because he is alive. And if he doesn't do what he said he's going to do, he proves he's not God. But he is God. He is. Can I finish with a story? See, I believe in this impact and stuff. My wife gets on to me all the time for playing what she calls the devil's advocate. You know, that's when you say something just to see what kind of reaction you get. Before I was saved, I knew a lot of dirty jokes. I was an encyclopedia. And I started preaching. If I wanted to get my audience attention, I'd start down the trail, one of those well-known jokes. And I could look at the faces of everybody in the audience who knew and had told that joke. But I'd go another way. We just talked about a night of power and prayer. Folks, Jesus is still impacting the world. I was in Jordan at a house they call a safe house. It's a place that when you visited, that's where you stayed. It was myself and the resident was there and heard a knock on the door. Went to the door. There's a gentleman who identified himself as being from South Africa. And he had a piece of paper in his hand. We said, can we help you? And he said, yes. I had a dream. And this man told me if I went to this address, the people there could tell me about Jesus. We looked at the address, and it was the address in Jordan. Now, you can believe and think what you want to. We told him about Jesus. And he went back to tell the little town that he lives in. That's a common thing. Jesus, by his spirit, is still reaching out. And you and I are given the words of life. I'm not saying that you need to be arrogant or anything else. Not at all. Jesus told, preach humility. Jesus is the most humble man that ever walked on the face of the earth. But when Jesus walked in the room, he sucked the air out of it. 
simply because he was truth personified. We have the truth that is in us. Why do we seek for the living among the dead in life? If you have not received this Jesus Christ, if you've not answered his call to come to you, why not right now, today, lay it down, repent, and come to Jesus? Believers, it's time to leave in our wake this question, what just happened here? What just happened here? Spirit of God is here. Spirit of God is moving. Spirit of God is calling. You that are listening online, if you'll just simply hit that I have decided and give information to them, someone will be in contact with you to tell the wonderful truth of Jesus. Fathers, we come to you today. Thank you. Thank you. You didn't sneak in. You're impacting the world then and you're impacting the world now. Dear God, today, may you impact our lives as we sit here. In Jesus' name, amen.